The Crude Life with host Jason Spies. Well, Santa looked a lot like Daddy. Her Daddy looked a lot like him. That's not the way I had him pictured. The Santa was much too thin. He didn't come down the chimney. So Mama must have let him in. Welcome to The Crude Life Week in Review. My name is Jason Spies. Thank you folks for joining us here at The Crude Life. We've got a fantastic program in store for you today. We're going to talk with Patrick Bertinoli as he shares his topic from the keynote presentation at API Williston Awards Ceremony. API Williston Awards Ceremony. He also talks about the skills initiative. He works with a lot of high school kids and bridges a gap where there seems to be a disconnect from some of the skills, trades, tech jobs with today's kids, uh, by kids, high school kids. And, uh, you know, tomorrow's industry leaders, if you will. So there's a very good role that Patrick Bertinoli's playing here. He's running all over the upper Midwest, meeting with schools, talking to kids, trying to get them to learn about truck driving and welding and how to be a little bit more safe, just really ahead of the curve. So mentoring programs, if you will. Uh, Patrick Bertinoli coming up in just a moment or two here on the program. Stick around. You're going to really enjoy it. Anthony Watt with the Heartland Institute uh, joins the program a little later on, and he opines why he believes many environmentalists are ill-informed and are chasing the environmental holy grail. A comparison to the local smoking ban. Do you remember the smoking ban? Well, there's a lot of people out there that have noticed a very similar template with the way that the smoking ban happened in the 90s and the 2000s and what's going on with the fossil fuel industry right now. So a lot of public health, a lot of uh, exaggerated studies and things like that are being used in order to advance a narrative against an entire industry, if you will. Anthony Watt, Heartland Institute, and then William Prentice, the CEO of Meridian Energy Group, gives us our weekly Davis Refinery update. The cleanest, most efficient refinery in the United States going to be built in Belfield, North Dakota, right in the heart of the Bakken, and it's close to major transportation distribution areas. There's a second refinery that's going to be built down in Texas, the uh, Walton Refinery, and uh, that, that, of course, is going to be used after they get the Bakken one going. So great things happening with Meridian Energy Group and how they're cleaning up energy over there with their state-of-the-art technology. William Prentice with our weekly Davis Refinery update. But right now, we're going to get to Patrick Bertinoli. My name is Jason Spies. You're listening to the Crude Life Week in Review. And this is Patrick Bertinoli talking about the API Williston Awards Ceremony, Skills Initiative Program, and Mentoring Children Throughout the Bakken. Pat Bertinoli, uh, Vice President of Human Resources, MBI Energy Services. Outstanding. Thank you for joining the programs here today. Now, we'd like to get an update for the Bakken and beyond from Mr. Patrick Bertinoli. And um, also, he's very active with a lot of the youth. And as we have this big crew shift, the, the you know, the retirement's happening. We have a new generation coming in, and then we got another generation after that. So he's working with a lot of those kids. But uh, recently spoke at API Williston. How are you doing today, Patrick? I'm doing great. Uh, thanks, Jason, uh, for allowing me to be on your program today. Yeah, let's start off by your uh, presentation you gave up in Williston at the API. They, my understanding is you got a little speaking opportunity, huh? Yep. Uh, they uh, invited me to be the keynote speaker there, and... Uh, 
Um, part of my uh, mission there was to kind of uh, provide some information on this whole skills initiative thing. So they allowed me to bring uh, some guests with me, and those guests included five high school kids from Watford City. And uh, one of those kids is uh, we're, we're teaching him how to be a mechanic right now. He's a senior. He spends half of his day at MBI Energy Services. And we're uh, training him how to be a mechanic. And then the other four students that I brought with me uh, are what we call ambassadors. And these kids have actually come out to our workforce to uh, kind of just share some information about our community and some of the perks of, uh, you know, calling North Dakota home. Um, so, for example, uh, one of these uh, ambassadors uh, talks a little bit about uh, what the school is willing to do to uh, integrate their kids into the school, whether it's take them to dinner, lunch, movie, whatever it might be. And uh, other ones are uh, briefing our work group on just the benefits of graduating from our schools in Western North Dakota with the free tuition program at Wilson State College. And then just a number of other different things. So these kids are doing an amazing job educating our workforce. And our mission is to impact recruiting and retention uh, by enhancing their experience and just educating them. Tell me a little bit about these ambassadors. I'm, I'm looking at some of the information that you provided me here. And uh, right away, I'm looking at where they're from. You know, Wyoming, for example, uh, Idaho, Nevada, Minnesota. Uh, where else are we at here? New Mexico. You know, it, that's that's very to me. That's really important to bring in people from other states to different shale plays, different energy communities to see how it's operating and what's going on, and to um, absorb it, if you will, to have different states involved. Talk to me a little bit about these ambassadors a little more. You know, I, I think the the first thing that resonates with me with these kids being from uh, from different states is just the experience that they're having in Watford City, um, and just the engagement there. So, like one of the folks that I uh, brought with me to the API, uh, her name is Lydia, and she's the one from Minnesota, but she uh, she wants to be a nurse. And so, as these guys are helping our employees integrate into the community, I'm finding out a little bit about their own career interest. But with Lydia. You know, one thing that I found out is just through the Watford City High School, they offered a course through Wilson State College last year um, on medical terminology, which is really the, what uh, sunk the deal for, for Lydia to pursue an occupation of nursing. So from a community partnership standpoint, I think that what Watford's doing is amazing. And then also, uh, you know, with that level of interest in Watford, or Wilson State College, we had Lydia on a conference call with them with Wilson State College to, to get some information to be able to provide to our workforce on just some more detailed information about that free tuition program, which really caught the attention of our workforce. And being in the medical field, that's pretty tied to the fossil fuel industry. I was reading how much of the um, grid goes to emergency medicine and healthcare facilities, that sort of thing. It's like over 50%. So, um, yeah. It, it, you know, I think the other thing, too, about bringing these ambassadors into our workforce, too, is just seeing how motivated these kids are. You know, I know that our workforce is looking at these kids and saying, that that could be my daughter. That could be my son. You know what I mean? And, and these kids just coming in from the, the various states, coming into North Dakota and having a good experience. And you can see that just in their presentation. And these kids have no fear to get in front of, uh, of uh, oil field workers. And they're just doing a tremendous job. We're really proud of them. Mr. Patrick Bertinoli, I'm going to ask you to hold that thought for just a moment or two. We're going to take a brief pause. When we come back, we'll continue the conversation with Patrick Bertinoli right here on The Crude Life. My name is Jason Spies, and you're listening to The Crude Life Week in Review. It's not the way I had him pictured. Santa was much too thin. He 
didn't come down the chimney So mama must have let him in Well Santa looked a lot like daddy Her daddy looked a lot like him Well I never saw a dancer or prancer I never heard the sleigh bells ring I never saw a red-nosed reindeer Like they show on the TV screens But he sure brought lots of presents Santa Claus he must have been But he sure looked a lot like daddy Or daddy looked a lot like him Yeah, Santa looked a lot like daddy Or daddy looked a lot like him That's not the way I had him pictured Santa was much too thin Historic, the first full conversion refinery to be built in the U.S. in over 40 years Innovative, the cleanest, most technologically advanced downstream project ever. The model for future shale basin projects, groundbreaking, with construction resuming in early 2019. The Davis Refinery. Jason Spies, the most trusted voice in the Bakken. I totally agree with you, and the word that you brought into this is fact. You tell the facts. And then you let people make up their own minds. You want someone who's competent. You don't want to get a bunch of rookies. Love listening to Jason Spies on the radio. And if I miss him there, I catch him online. Let's bring in Jason Spies, who is a multimedia journalist in North Dakota. Um, Jason, what's your thought on this? No one does an interview like Jason Spies. Make energy great again. Yes, that is the hat for the energy industry, folks. Wear it proudly. Show your support for the nation's energy industry with this attention-grabbing fashion declaration. Make energy great again. Pick up the only hat for the energy industry. Make energy great again. Visit keepenergygreat.com. That's keepenergygreat.com. Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer had a very shiny nose and if you ever saw it you would even say it glows welcome back to the crude life at week in review my name is jason Spees. thank you folks for joining us coming up next we continue our conversation with patrick bertinoli you know what i mean or you can get your two years of uh, generals out of the way and go to university of north dakota as a junior in the petroleum you know engineering field so there's tremendous opportunity out there and uh, again if i was a you know, my kids are grown, but if if I had kids in school, I'd be taking a really solid, hard look at that in-demand uh, jobs in North Dakota. You just hit a very interesting vein of that, which is uh, I did a story back in, I want to say, 2015. No, this was probably 2013, which was uh, pipe fitters, plumbers, and electricians are the deities and demigods of the Bakken, that these guys are just so sought after and, and it had to do with the shortage of them and the certification and because of the new regulations, not everybody was certified. Do you remember those days back in the early, you know, kind of where it just seems like everybody, you know, an electrician would go out to dinner and he'd have three job offers, you know? I told you, yeah, you're, you're spot on. That's uh, absolutely going on. And, you know, the one thing, too, that, you know, on that note, you know, we need plumbers, we need electricians, and you look at some of these smaller communities around North Dakota, you know, in, in my opinion, I'll use Marv at Titanium Plumbing in Watford City as an example. We've kind of educated him a little bit on that cooperative work experience program that, that Watford has. So we're, we're going to get Marv in position to mentor a high school senior next year in plumbing. So 
we have every opportunity to get to know these kids that are coming up in the high schools and position them for those in-demand jobs, plumbing, electricians, mechanics, uh, all that stuff. So you're, you're spot on. And, and last time we talked a little bit about the tools, trades, tech and torque program, and that's coming again uh, in March to Watford city. And uh, maybe we have another conversation that in the future, that's just a tremendous program to create awareness as far as uh, again, these positions that are live right now in North Dakota. The, the second part of the question I'd like to get your opinion on or your, your knowledge on is that um, when I say, you know, the, the pipe fitters and the electricians and this and that, you know, that was specific, but also it meant a lot of the traditional trade jobs. You mentioned nurses. That's a part of this story. I don't think a lot of people th- that they understand that a lot of the community building that's going on here still needs additional Sir, uh, uh, trades and skills that are outside of, you know, the construction and mining industry, like nursing, like certain computer uh, software recognition and things like that. Uh, isn't that true that there's there's there are like two year jobs, uh, certification jobs that are uh, on available out, you know, in, in these oil patches outside of the energy sector? Yeah, there's, uh, you know, nurses is, uh, you know, one occupation I'm very intrigued with as uh, teachers as, as well. So like North Dakota is ranked number one state for teachers. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm spearheading a recruiting and retention committee for the state of North Dakota. And I'm um, going to be in Bismarck tomorrow with my committee. But I've got a, a real heavy presence uh, from uh, some very knowledgeable people on the nursing side of things because we're going to try to tackle that as a state to figure out how do we, you know, uh, you know, affect net in migration and uh, get our nurses, uh, you know, population and they'll get those positions filled. So that's a, really a heavy topic for me on this recruiting and retention thing um, and teachers, all that stuff. There's, there's tremendous opportunity here in North Dakota. Um, and I think as a state, we have opportunity to better educate those states around us, you know, to attract people here to our state for these amazing opportunities. So what's the bigger picture in this? You know, you got the you got the tools and the torque and you've got uh, the keynote speaking and we've got, you know, ambassadorships and mentor programs. Um, there's a lot going on. And um, is this all kind of being, you know, put together in some sort of uh, internal standard operating book or something? Is there a, is anybody taking notes? Well, I would say they're taking notes and I would say that, uh, you know, I would describe it as a progressive approach, but it's, it's really what I, I would say I'm discovering is how important that school is to everything. You know, I've uh, got a nice voicemail from Kirsten uh, Baszler, uh, uh, North Dakota Depart- or, um, superintendent of schools, and she kind of commented on this ambassador program that we have going on. But she said that eight, zero to 18 year olds make up 25% of our state, but they make up 100% of our future. But what I'm finding is that these kids are so influential and they want to be part of the solution that I think that we're going to be able to utilize and leverage these kids a little bit, not only to help position them for great careers, but also help educate our workforce out here, which will impact our recruiting and our retention. So um, I think it's going to be a full circle, you know, when it comes to workforce uh, development and uh and retention you know so that's that's really where i'm going with all of this stuff and then the the other thing that i haven't really talked about either is that you know when you position your management team to be in a give back and mentor uh, state you're going to get the best out of that employee and that's really when they're at the peak of their performance in my opinion is when they're when they really have a purpose as far as what they're building 
How are some of the other schools handling this? You know, you've mentioned Watford City quite a bit. You've mentioned um, Bismarck and the superintendent of schools. Are any of the other schools paying attention to this as possibly yeah. a second program down the line? Yeah, I think so. Uh, you know, what's kind of interesting is I, I do have a presentation that I've been, uh, you know, on tour around the state. It's called uh, Growth and Retention Strategies, Making an Impression That Matters. And I was just in Mandan here a few weeks ago. I spoke to the North Dakota Parks and Recreation um, I hit the Fusion Conference in uh, Bowman. Bowman's got it going on. Um, some good things there. Um, but just have been around the state, and I will say that uh, we took a team of MBI management team into Stanley High School to help out with some mock interviews. That was a lot of fun, and we're working with Williston High School right now. I've uh, been in discussions with Killdeer, with uh, Gary, and... Um, um, gosh, I forget his name offhand, uh, the principal over there, but we've been in discussions with them and then also working with Dickinson Economic Development, Sarah Trustum over there um, to get into the schools. And I'll just give you an example. Our rentals division over there in Dickinson, you know, I was talking to the manager and he said that he had to uh, train, you know, one of his employees on how to change a tire. And I was telling him, I said, that's such an easy fix for me. I said, we get into the school, we work with the egg teachers, we have the egg teachers teach these kids how to change a tire. Now they're qualified for the positions that we have in Dickinson. The nice thing about that, you don't have to worry about housing, don't have to worry about any of the other stuff because they're already here. Anything we left out here today, uh, talking about uh, some of the um, future of the industry, I guess. I mean, tomorrow, you know, right, the kids in school are tomorrow's leaders. Yeah, I think uh, the only thing that I'd say, and we did also go into Belfield too, but what I'm finding too and what I'm trying to pitch to the schools as well is that I know they need teachers and I know they need substitute teachers, but as we enhance our relationship with those folks, I can just tell you one example right now, we uh, one of our drivers in Watford City, uh, you know, we tell them that we'll, you know, assist them with helping family members find jobs. And we won't promise them we'll find them a job, but we'll open doors for them just with our uh, community partnerships that we've developed out there. But uh, this driver is his uh, wife, Giselle. Um, she's a uh, works at the library at Watford City High School, but we opened that door for her. And she would have had no idea that that job was even out there if we didn't have the relationship with the school. And, and Giselle has a degree in economic finance and she's a certified tutor. So it's just a no brainer. But in using that example, you know, with our driver, Patrick, and his wife, Giselle, the thing that motivates me about that story is that I think as, as a state, we have opportunity to put more emphasis on fulfilling people's dreams. And uh, that that's a good example of that. So I really think about the conversation that Patrick and Giselle have at their kitchen table at the end of the day on their experience that they're having in North Dakota. And again, when we put a little more emphasis on fulfilling people's dreams, then uh, recruiting and retention ends up becoming the result. All right, kind of summarizing a little bit, you know, um, you you spoke at the API uh, keynote speak. You've been doing a lot with the kids. Just kind of give your own little keynote speak here at at the end, kind of wrapping up what you want people to walk away with this interview from. Um, well, I guess uh, just the influence of these kids and, you know, for all those that attended that API, uh, you know, banquet in Williston, you know, all those leaders, the Williston State College president, the mayor, the mayor of Bismarck was there. You know, uh, people uh, representing our Senate and Congress were there. And I just really appreciate all those people coming up and introducing themselves to those kids. For those kids to, to witness uh, or to actually be able to meet those folks and witness the testimony of all those folks that were recognized at the API banquet was just a tremendous illustration of leadership. And uh, and, and really the takeaway for, for everyone on that, that activity was uh, just seeing you know, the, the mood in that room with those kids in there and just our opportunity to work together to uh, do great things for the state of North Dakota. 
And that was Patrick Bertinoli. To listen to the full-length interview or to check out other exclusive interviews, visit thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. While you're there, be sure to check out our store full of clothing, other items for sale. The Crude Life are two of our most popular selling items this holiday season. Keep calm and frack on, and the people's shirt, just frack it. Those are available at thecrudelife.com, and just click on the links. Plus, you can access all of our past exclusive interviews. My name is Jason Spies, and you're listening to The Crude Life Week in Review. Won't you guide my sleigh tonight? And all the reindeer loved him As they shouted out with glee Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer You'll go down in history Then one foggy Christmas Eve Santa came to say Rudolph with your nose so bright Won't you guide my sleigh tonight And how the reindeer loved him As they shouted out with glee Rudolph the red-nosed reindeer You'll go down in history Rudolph the red-nosed reindeer You'll go down in history Historic, the first full conversion refinery to be built in the U.S. in over 40 years Innovative, the cleanest, most technologically advanced downstream project ever The model for future shale basin projects Groundbreaking, with construction resuming in early 2019 the Davis Refinery. Make energy great again. Yes, that is the hat for the energy industry, folks. Wear it proudly. Show your support for the nation's energy industry with this attention-grabbing fashion declaration. Make energy great again. Pick up the only hat for the energy industry. Make energy great again. Visit keepenergygreat.com. That's keepenergygreat.com. Sleigh bells ring, are you listening? In the lane, snow is glistening. Welcome back to the Crude Life at Week in Review. My name is Jason Spies. Thank you, folks, for joining us. Coming up next, we talk with Anthony Watt with the Heartland Institute. Well, it's become um, kind of a, um, uh, I guess the way to describe it is, is that you're unclean if you're not doing something to save the environment in California. That's how uh, some people look at it, although Northern California is much more conservative, especially in the interior, while the coast is much more liberal. But there's this pressure constantly uh, that uh, we've got people like uh, Bill McKibben with his 350.org organization has people going to city councils and asking them to declare climate emergencies. For example, in my town of Pico, California, the 350.org people were able to convince the majority of city councilors that they needed to declare a climate emergency. Uh, you know, because the world's going to end in 12 years, according to AOC and other brilliant scholars. So anyway, uh, they declared this climate emergency, but the fact of the matter is that it was nothing more than a feel-good exercise. They're actually doing nothing to to meet that issue. They're not acting as if there's an emergency. So there's lots of this uh, shaming going on and peer pressure to try to get people to think differently. 
Uh, the fact of the matter is, though, is that most people, at least in Northern California's interior, aren't buying it. You know, they tolerate these, these kind of things, but they don't change their lifestyle associated with it. And that's why the state tries to force things onto people, because they know a lot of people will not change their lifestyle, will not stop driving, will not stop using electricity, uh, you know, and other things that make life today uh, worth living and, 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 and livable. Um, they're just not going to do that. And that's the problem. The, the environmentalists are trying to sell a much more uh, crude lifestyle, a less energy-intensive lifestyle, and Americans just aren't having it, at least out here in Northern California. Why do you think the rush is on, the green rush, if you will, just a, you know, a, a ramrod or a... To me, that's why I say aggressive. It's very aggressive to make these changes in, in you know, 10 years. For example, I've heard multiple people that have very good credentials tell me that, you know, if we don't figure out a new way to make planes fly in 10 years, uh, no planes will fly. And to me, that that's borderline insane, um, kind of ludicrous with, with today's world. Um Talk to me about that as far as the timeline, because it d does seem that the, uh, you know, the chicken littles, the, 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 the Y2Kers of the world are really winning the narrative out there. Well, they might be winning the narrative, but the reality is there's technology and physics doesn't meet the narrative and can't. The kinds of things that they're suggesting be done, you know, like electric airplanes, for example, are just not feasible. If they were feasible, they would have been done 50 years ago or more. We've taken a hundred years to get to where we are in the way that we use energy and the efficiency and so forth. And some of these people think that we have to transform our economy in 10 years. They're living in a pie in the sky sort of, a, of an idea, mainly because they're not well educated. To be frank, a lot of these people that believe that the world is going to end in 12 years, like AOC, are just plain stupid. They do not have any kind of an understanding of how the world works, how energy works, how energy distribution works, the physics of moving things and how much energy it takes. Uh, they, people have this belief that, that uh, on, on the environmental side, that you know, solar power and wind power is going to do it. It's going to save everything. Well, it can't because power doesn't get generated when the wind doesn't blow and the sun doesn't shine. You still need backup power systems. You still need to have coal plants and natural gas and oil-fired plants running at nighttime or when the wind's not blowing. To get to this 100% renewable holy grail is just physically impossible. To quote Star Trek, Scotty, you cannot change the laws of physics, and it's not going to happen here. You know, about five years ago, I started... Well, first of all, my background comes from the Bakken, so I, I kind of had had that with North Dakota. And, and we had a uh, public smoking ban on the state referendum in, I want to say, 2012. And that was a big issue. It had to do with a lot of, you know, personal rights versus this and that. But, of course, in the end, the narrative of public health and, uh, excuse me, uh, public health and a kind of a dirty and a shame type of a thing won out. And, and whether you're for smoking or against smoking, it doesn't really matter. That's, that's how it, it, it played out. I see the same template happening, in my opinion. It's very much like how states used a smoking ban and used kind of a, a, the, the way that they 
change the narrative of the cigarette industry to be more of a dirty and unhealthy and, you know, using children and, and, and dirtiness and health concerns, that sort of thing. Um, I'd like to know your opinion on, on my observations of how they've kind of the narrative against fossil fuels has changed to where it almost seems like it's in the same, same, you know, level as, as cigarettes are actually, I, I don't hear any presidential candidates trying to ban cigarettes, but I hear half a dozen of them trying to ban fossil fuels. <laughs> well, you're right when there's a comparison to the smoking uh, issue. And the reason there is, is because they were successful in the 90s at getting, you know, smoking exposed for the health issue that it really was. And they exposed the fact that cigarette companies did, in fact, enhance nicotine to increase addiction and things like this. And they suppressed the issues related to health and their own studies internally as well as what went out to the public. And so, you know, smoking got caught, and it was dirty, and there's no two ways about it. My, my parents died of smoking-related illnesses, so I understand this. So, yes, they're trying to use that same template on climate and energy and so forth. And the reason behind that is is that when they finally exposed the smoking industry in the 90s, there was a humongous settlement, huge amounts of money. And the same thing is, has been tried here in a trial that's been going on in New York City recently with ExxonMobil. There's this Exxon New thing that brought up by Bill McKibben and the McKibbenites uh, on 350.org that you know Exxon knew how dangerous it was to you know use oil and gas back in the 60s, and here's the documents that proved it because Exxon had done some internal studies. Well, the fact of the matter is that Exxon was just simply distributing the known scientific analysis that was available at the time and you know they didn't try to hide anything but the fact of the matter is that the the climate uh, alarm industry is going after ExxonMobil and other companies trying to make it such that there's harm a harm type of a finding and they haven't been able to tie it they have not been able to show that the use of fossil fuels is actually causing harm because there's lots of benefits to fossil fuels that offsets any potential harm, and they've not been able to prove it in court so far. And as a matter of fact, the court case last week, uh, if you follow a website called Climate Litigation Watch, uh, Climate Litigation Watch uh, it has been run by Chris Horner, an attorney who's been chasing these issues, you can see that the, the, the judge is not having it. He's throwing a lot of these arguments out because they don't have any merit. And so they're down to basically one argument, and it's become a big accounting issue trying to account for the fact that fossil fuels could cause harm, and they're not being able to prove it so far. So the bottom line is, is they're chasing money, just like any other rent seeker organization out there. Having a cleaner environment is always a good thing, and certainly we've made tremendous environmental gains in the United States and in the world since the environmental movement started in the early 1970s. We have cleaner air. Los Angeles is a perfect example. These are good things. But what's happened is that once those problems had been solved, the environmental industry didn't have anything else to solve. And so they decided that climate was going to be the next big thing. The bottom line is, though, is that climate is not something that can be easily solved by humans. There's lots of other factors and forcings and so forth that make up what our climate is. And our contribution to it, while there is some, is very minuscule compared to some of the other forces that are driving the climate of the planet. And so these environmentalists, for the want of having something to do to make themselves feel good, are chasing a pie-in-the-sky dream that's not going to pay off. 
And that was Anthony Watt with the Heartland Institute. To listen to the full-length interview or to check out other exclusive interviews, visit thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. I'd like to remind you folks that we have some merchandise available this holiday season. We have a Crude Life t-shirts and hats, etc. Two of our most popular shirts right now is the People shirt, Just Frack It. And then, of course, we have Keep Calm and Frack On. Those are available at thecrudelife.com. Click on our Shopify store. My name is Jason Spies, and this is the Crude Life Week in Review. In the meadow, we can build a snowman and pretend he's bad, bad Leroy Brown. We'll have lots of fun with Mr. Snowman, the baddest snowman in the whole damn town. Yeah. Later on, we'll conspire as we dream by the fire. Face unafraid, the plans that we've made, walking in a winter wonderland. Let's all frolic and play the Eskimo way, walking in a winter wonderland. Oh, let's go walking in a winter wonderland. Historic, the first full conversion refinery to be built in the U.S. in over 40 years. Innovative, the cleanest, most technologically advanced downstream project ever. The model for future shale basin projects. Groundbreaking, with construction resuming in early 2019. The Davis Refinery. Jason Spies, the most trusted voice in the Bakken. I totally agree with you, and the word that you brought into this is fact. You tell the facts. And then you let people make up their own minds. You want someone who's competent. You don't want to get a bunch of rookies. Love listening to Jason Speece on the radio. And if I miss him there, I catch him online. Let's bring in Jason Speece, who is a multimedia journalist in North Dakota. Um, Jason, what's your thought on this? No one does an interview like Jason Speece. Make energy great again. Yes, that is the hat for the energy industry, folks. Wear it proudly. Show your support for the nation's energy industry with this attention-grabbing fashion declaration. Make energy great again. Pick up the only hat for the energy industry. Make energy great again. Visit keepenergygreat.com. That's keepenergygreat.com. Better not cry, better not pout, I'm telling you why. Santa Welcome back to the Crude Life Week in Review. My name is Jason Spies. Thank you, folks, for joining us. Coming up next, we have our weekly Davis Refinery update. We talk with the CEO of Meridian Energy Group, William Prentice. Yeah, and I, you know, we've had opposition to the refinery since day one. As you know, when we first talked, it was in connection with the opposition uh, that it showed up for our conditional use permit hearings down in uh, Billings County. Um, but, you know, opposition has good thing, good aspects and bad aspects. Uh, the refinery design is stronger and cleaner as a result of us knowing that we we're going to face that opposition, uh, particularly in regard to the air quality permit. And quite frankly, I, I welcome that aspect of it. Uh, it, it made us work harder to make sure the plant was going to be uh, uh, unassailable from a technical point of view. So we're grateful to that. Um, but, you know, the the process of getting the permit itself uh, 
was um, protracted because of the threat of litigation, uh, both ourselves and the permitting agencies uh, spent a lot more time and money uh, in the preparation of the permits uh, because we knew we'd faced litigation. And since we obtained the permits, uh, the lawsuits have cost us quite a bit of money and have delayed uh, the projects uh, significantly. So, yeah, it's uh, the negative impact of this is the benefits of this project uh, to the local community is, have been delayed because of this process. I want to get an update on some of the technology involved here. You know, one of the things that we do here at The Crude Life is we're very much into innovation. We're very, very much into uh, the environment, so eco-innovation, if you will. Uh, another thing that we do at The Crude Life here, it's a little bit different than most, is we like to read actual scientific studies instead of the political briefings that a lot of people read or read the summaries of political briefings, if you will. Uh, I've seen a few of the scientific documents towards your refinery and th those seem to cut muster man those seem to meet the scientific breakthroughs if you will cutting new eco grounds uh wh what's going on with your guys's you know claim that this is going to be the uh most eco-friendly environmentally friendly uh cleanest refinery on the planet which i believe it's going to be um yeah that's that's been an ongoing story and a, and a very interesting one to, you know, I'm, I'm an engineer by training, so I get very excited about what we're going to do. And uh, uh, our, our team is, is very, very uh, first rate um, industry wide. Um, these are guys who didn't want to do things the same old way. Uh, this started during the permit process. I, I think a lot of people were confused by the fact that we got very excited about what we were going to be doing on air quality, uh, even after we filed the first uh, generation of our air quality permit application. And in fact, we came back in uh, uh, in April of 2017 with an amended application that showed reduced emissions. We we're so excited about what we were able to achieve on the engineering side. And this is just a matter of the fact that nothing like this has been done in 40 years. Uh, last full conversion refinery was built in 76, I think it was. And there's just been a lot of technology developed that hasn't been applied comprehensively in a project like this yet. So obviously we were excited about that. Uh, the permit was, was granted based on that new engineering. And although we were very conservative, uh, in, in doing this, we we're able to achieve a synthetic minor source designation for the plant, uh, which again was a first in the industry. Oil and Gas Journal called it uh, historic. And since then, when we get into the details of design, as we've been doing for the last uh, six months, uh, we're going to be able to do even better uh, in actual uh, practice. Uh, so, you know, our, our ability to uh, surpass even what we've committed to in the air quality permit is is just uh, we're amazed by that and and we're very proud of it uh, and it's not just the performance of the project I mean you know good engineering would guide you down this route anyway when oil is worth a dollar a barrel like it was over a hundred years ago uh, your attitude towards wasted hydrocarbons is different than it is at sixty seventy dollars so 
good engineering does not like waste. Those are all hydrocarbons that are worth money. But uh, the fact that they get out into the air is not something that uh, we want to see because we think the industry needs to redo itself and become uh, proficient in, in building plants that can be put exactly where they're needed you know, and not kick down the road uh, to where pollution is theoretically more, more uh, uh, allowable, uh, which is kind of strange to think that way. But that's the way industry has been handled in this country today. Um, so, yeah, you, you've touched on a hot button. I'm, I'm really excited about the technology and what we're doing here. I can remember talking to you um, a couple of years ago and just saying that uh, we we're extremely happy to be, to be becoming part of the, uh, the Bakken and part of the North Dakota business community, and I still feel that way. We're eager to get going out there and uh, grateful for all the support that we've seen. And that was William Prentice, the CEO of Meridian Energy Group, with our weekly Davis Refinery update. To listen to the full-length interview or to check out other exclusive interviews, visit thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. That's going to do it for today's program. I'd like to thank Patrick Bertinoli, also Anthony Watt with the Heartland Institute, and William Prentice with Meridian Energy Group. Thank you very much for coming on today's program. Also, folks, all of our interviews that you heard today, or if you'd like to check out other exclusive interviews, visit thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. Of course, you can check out our stores as well. We've got many items for sale this holiday season. One of them, the shirt, Keep Calm and Frack On. And then, of course, we have our most popular seller, the People's Shirt, Just Frack It. All that plus much more at thecrudelife.com. From the staff here at The Crude Life Week in Review, my name is Jason Spies asking you to always remember, energy is more than an industry, it's a way of life. It twice, gonna find out who's naughty or nice, Santa Claus is coming to town. He sees you when you're sleeping, he knows when you're awake. He knows if you've been bad or good, so be good for goodness sake. Go, oh, you better watch out, you better not cry, better not pout, I'm telling you why. Santa Claus is coming to town. The kids in girl and boy land will have a jubilee. They're gonna build a toy land. All around that Christmas tree So you better watch out You better not cry you better not pout I'm telling you why Santa Claus is coming to town Yeah man, Santa Claus is coming to town Santa. I want my presents. Make energy great again. Yes, that is the hat for the energy industry, folks. Wear it proudly. Show your support for the nation's energy industry with this attention-grabbing fashion declaration. Make energy great again. Pick up the only hat for the energy industry. Make energy great again. Visit keepenergygreat.com. That's keepenergygreat.com. Historic, the first full conversion refinery to be built in the U.S. in over 40 years. 
innovative, the cleanest, most technologically advanced downstream project ever. The model for future shale basin projects, groundbreaking, with construction resuming in early 2019. The Davis Refinery. Jason Spies, the most trusted voice in the Bakken. I totally agree with you, and the word that you brought into this is fact. You tell the facts, and then you let people make up their own minds. If you want someone who's competent, you don't want to get a bunch of rookies. Love listening to Jason Spies on the radio, and if I miss him there, I catch him online. Let's bring in Jason Spies, who is a multimedia journalist in North Dakota. Um, Jason, what's your thought on this? No one does an interview like Jason Spies. 